This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Hello, folks. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv, and this is episode two, meaning we actually made it past episode one. I guess that is a good thing, is it not? So, what I am going to get into this evening or this day—I don't even know anymore. I, I let me just tell you guys a little bit about my myself and. I'm going to do a show about my past going back 20 years uh, and why you should listen to me and why I am someone who you can trust to at least deliver you uh, what I believe to be the truth and that I do my research before I uh, talk about a subject. And I have a lot of experience in a lot of topics, industries, and, uh, and subjects. But I was in live streaming uh, before COVID land kicked off, I was producing a show for another host and we did a lot of live stream content. So if we were going live in the morning or we were going live at night, I knew it was the morning. I knew it was the night. This I'm just getting used to. I was never really in the audio podcast uh, industry. And uh, as far as recording videos and then uploading them to pain.tv, which we will be doing soon. Uh, I'd never know when they're going to come out. So I could be recording in the morning. I could be recording at night. And uh, who knows when it's going to come out. The great thing for you guys and about the content I'm creating is I'm mostly doing evergreen content, which is content that, that isn't really based on uh, topics of the day. I'm not doing a daily news analysis. So the subjects like yesterday that I spoke about, where I analyzed an article from 2016 that was on General Electric's website introducing the tenets of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, Uh, That's a show that you can listen to today, tomorrow, 10 years from now. Uh, It wasn't about daily politics if Joe Biden slipped and fell uh, out of an airplane today. Of course, that's something that probably happens every day. So I could tell a joke about that and it would work on any day that you listen to it as long as Joe Biden remains the president when uh, when you're listening. But um, I hope everyone had a good day, good night, whatever it was. This morning, I actually went out early. I get up about 5, 5.30 in the morning, and I ran to uh, the grocery store to pick up some bread and some uh, rosemary ham and pepper jack cheese to make a uh, sort of an egg-battered, not French toast, but like a battered piece of Italian bread uh, in the egg and fried in a pan with ham and cheese on it uh, for my wife. She's getting some strange cravings. 
a few months away from having the baby. And she said yesterday before we went to bed, that's what she wanted for breakfast. So I snuck out at about six o'clock in the morning and went and got that stuff. And when I was out there, I don't know how many of you are familiar with me from being a guest on the Thomas Paine podcast on Mike Moore's uh, show right here on Paine.tv and the Paine Network. Uh, I had talked about when uh, COVID happened, I was living in Nashville and my ex-wife and I had a photography business and all of the photo shoots for a year basically just canceled. And uh, I was producing, as I mentioned, for uh, another content creator at the time. We were about a year into that business. We were making some money and providing great content, but unfortunately, I could not rely on that uh, when COVID had just kicked off. And to many of us, it looked like it was going to be the end of the world, that the tyrants, that the technocratic oligarchs were finally making their move on us. So we pulled back a little bit from that. And um, I said, oh, God, what am I going to do so we don't have to dip into savings uh, during COVID? So a friend of mine who I knew from Nashville and then lived in D.C., he was a comedian, uh, and I used to be involved in the comedy production business, which I'll get into later uh, on another show when I talk a little bit about my background and my experience and uh, all of the different industries I've been involved with uh, over the years and where a lot of my sources and contacts come from. But a friend of mine said, um, he had been driving Uber for four or five, six years uh, to supplement his comedy income, and it was a flexible um, source of revenue uh, in between comedy gigs. He said, listen, sign up for Instacart. Instacart is a grocery delivery business, so essentially you open your phone, it's an app, uh, you'll see an order from whatever. Uh, they don't do Walmart, but say so everyone uh, nationally understands. Say it'll say Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and there'll be different orders on there. And you can select an order, go shop the order, drop it off to the person and be paid right away. So I was doing Instacart for uh, the beginning of COVID. And then d d shortly into COVID came divorce. So I stuck with Instacart and I actually moved from Nashville up north to uh, Maryland. And when I got up to Maryland last year in March, COVID was actually still going on in Maryland. People had masks, stuff was closed down, and it turned out that the Instacart market was actually uh, quite good. I got to be friends with a lot of people in uh, blue-collar work who work in the grocery stores and then people who also work for Instacart. And I met all kinds of people that were in healthcare before COVID. They were teachers. Uh, all types of jobs, salesmen, and then ended up falling into Instacart and um, and making uh, you know decent money in there. And I was talked about on Mike's show uh, about six months a year ago. I said, "What Instacart's going to do because they're owned by the technocracy as well. They're going to bring you in uh, to the system, allow you to make good money. That." Uh, keeps you going and it's it's a very gamified system it's like going out and hunting so you get addicted like a video game to wanting to get the next batch which is a, a, a grocery list you're going to shop and get paid for that so you're like ah, i gotta get the batch i gotta get the batch i gotta get the batch and you're jonesing like a crackhead to get a batch and so you get sucked into the system and they let you make a thousand two thousand dollars a week and that goes on for a few months. During that time, you're not starting a business. You're not looking for another job. You're not brushing up on your skills to try to get into a new career. And so eventually they've got you hooked. And uh, I went out there this morning. I hadn't been doing Instacart now for yeah, about just two weeks. I actually 
divorce ended uh, about two months ago and I started phasing myself out of Instacart and looking for other work opportunities in uh, creative web development stuff I was doing before uh, COVID happened. And uh, I went out there this morning and these guys are hurting. They're all sitting in the parking lot. They're not getting orders. Instacart isn't paying as much. So you have a lot of these people out there, blue collar people, hardworking people, um, it's the one thing you got to give these guys. A lot of them get up and they're out there at 530 in the morning and some of them work until 10 o'clock at night until the last order is done. And they are out there today uh, really hurting, um, not making the kind of money they would. Some of these guys, if they worked hard, could do three to $400 a day. Take out your gas, which when you're driving that much, it's about $35 a day. And some of them buy lunch. So, you know, say they're bringing in 250 to $350 a day. And they're telling me right now it's less than half of that. So these guys are making $125, uh, you know, $150, $175 for some of them work 10, 12, 14 hours a day. So my prayers go out to those guys uh, because I feel for them. But I told them uh, not this show, but I had taken on uh, a job uh, right actually around the same time I hooked up with Mike on this, but I had committed to a project I'm working on. And I told these guys, look, if you have any skills outside of this, I would get out of Instacart as soon as possible and then just utilize it at nights or the weekends to bring in a little bit extra money uh, to supplement you know, whatever salary or hourly rate you get on a normal job. So hopefully... These guys pull through, and I know this is happening nationally because I check some of the national Facebook groups uh, to see what's going on. And it's it's whenever something seems like it's going on locally, it's actually going on nationally because Instacart is quickly becoming an international conglomerate, and they, they basically rig the entire system. And so these guys have no idea what they're getting into, but I've explained it on Mike's show and I explained how it ties into the fourth industrial revolution, not just Instacart, but the entire gig economy, including Uber, Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, and the rest of them. And so these guys are going to face some very difficult times as they got sucked into the system and now they're not even going to make enough money to be able to cover basically their car payment and their gas and, and a, who knows what other bills they have between rent or mortgage and such. So... It is what it is. Uh, I feel bad for them, and I just wanted to mention it. But I hope you guys are having a great day. My garden is uh, doing really well. My wife and I work hard at it, and we've got all kinds of tomatoes and cucumbers and everything else growing right now. And a lot of that was inspired by the community of Pain.TV when I was a listener and a fan of the show. So you guys really inspired me to finally get off my ass and uh, make it happen and now we are finally eating the fruits of our labor which has been quite fantastic so what we are going to go over today i want to sort of pick up where we left off yesterday and yesterday in episode one we discussed an article from november 2016 that was on General Electric's website, and it was an article written shortly after Klaus Schwab wrote the book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. I'm not going to go back and talk about Schwab today, but I am going to uh, do a show on Klaus Schwab shortly. So, in the General Electric article, they were talking about the tenets of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and we went through those, and I explained to you 
that we as humans are continually taking part in building the prison planet around ourselves. We sadly are the worker bees and we are digging our own grave. We discussed that. And I really suggest that you go back and listen to episode one if you have not. Again, the great thing about this show, the majority of what this show will be, is that it is evergreen. It has nothing to do with current events. So you can go back and listen and not be bored because it doesn't have to do with what political stuff happened yesterday or what news event stuff happened yesterday. It has to do with a a broader topic, something that you can literally listen to 10 years from now. So today we are going to get into an article and uh, you will see with this, with this show, the way that I am going to to do this is is once we get through three, four, five, six, seven shows, uh, I'm going to start to have guests on the show, uh, a lot of guests. I'm going to do Q&A um, sessions as well uh, with you guys behind the pain.tv paywall so we don't get a lot of kooks calling in and such. But right now I want to get through a number of articles that I've had saved for a couple of years and really introduce you to the nuts and bolts of the technocracy, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, World Economic Forum, and the players, so that you really can grasp and have an understanding of what the future will look like and what we are actually up against. And then once you understand that, we can start to work on planning our future, how we are going to develop a natural life, a natural world for ourselves and our children, while still interacting with what I call the matrix, if you still have to make money and food coupons, because there's only going to be so much you can manufacture and grow and produce and even barter with. Uh, the stuff that you can create on your own homestead. So you are going to have to make money inside of the matrix. And so the more that you know is coming, as Mike would say, it's Intel, intelligence, the more intelligence you have as to what is coming. And that's, and you're going to be able to really shape that and see that. And we can illustrate that by looking at what these people talk about, what they've already built, what they have in the pipeline. And then we could start to build our natural life, our breakaway civilization, Uh, working around their system as much as possible. So we're going to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to review the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology Sloan School article with nanotech expanding the brain to the cloud. I'll be right back. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, folks, we are back. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. As we were just saying before the break, We are going to do a review. We are going to do a review of an article from MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, um, Sloan School. And this article is uh, Ideas Made to Matter, Technology. 
with nanotech expanding the brain to the cloud. And this was uh, published on February 22nd, 2016. And I just want to say this to the audience, too. I know there's a lot of you listening uh, on audio and then also many of you watching video. So I have to get used to the fact that I'm not just on video, which was my primary medium before, and that I have to sometimes illustrate in words what I'm looking at, what we're talking about for the audio-only um, audience. So... What I'm going to do here is I have a number number of articles and sources pulled up, and I'm going to skip back and forth, unlike in episode one yesterday, where I stuck to one article, and this one I'm going to pull up multiple articles because I need to show you uh, and, and illustrate to you bits and pieces from different articles so that we could connect some of these dots. And what I'm doing is I'm showing you, again, this article is from February 22nd, 2016, the article published in General Electric's website yesterday was from November 2016. And what I'm showing you is that these technocrats have been planning what we are, are have come to know as the Fourth Industrial Revolution coming out of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum that we only really heard about after March 2020 when COVID land kicked off is that these guys have been working on this way earlier. And even this stuff from 2016 is, is actually late in the game. This stuff goes back decades, but at least this shows you, you know, four or five years, three, four or five years before COVID, they were actually publishing uh, this information. So let me introduce you to, to this article here. Again, with nanotech expanding the brain to the cloud. Author, inventor, entrepreneur, and futurist Ray Kurzweil has accurately predicted the rise of major technological innovations from head-mounted displays such as Google Glass to natural language interfaces such as Siri. Now, let me unpack that for you quickly. Let's say for people that don't know, from head-mounted displays such as Google Glass. So in 2016, they were saying that Kurzweil had predicted head-mounted displays such as Google Glass. Google Glass was sort of the first iteration of uh, what you're hearing about now, like Oculus, which is Meta or Facebook's VR headset. You know, virtual reality headset or augmented reality headset. Virtual reality is basically you put the headset on and then you're inside of an immersive kind of 3D video game. Think of it like that. They call it a world, a metaverse, but basically a 3D video game. And then in augmented reality, sometimes you can actually see through the screen what you're looking at in real life and it will actually project images so think of it, if you were in an aquarium, um, if you were in a, like a stadium, like a football stadium or baseball stadium, you put on the goggles and they can make it look like you're in an aquarium and there's fish swimming around. Okay, that's augmented reality. So it says, from head-mounted displays such as Google Glass to natural language interfaces such as Siri. Natural language is basically the ability to speak like we do, just as a human, and then the artificial intelligence through a voice like Siri can actually communicate back and forth with you in natural language. So the old days of, uh, let, let's look at Google. If you were going to search something in Google, you used to have to be very technical with the search terms and use quotes and stuff. Now you can say, 
show me the nearest Chinese restaurant. That's called natural language. And it'll actually pull up the nearest Chinese restaurant versus you having to say Chinese restaurant within one mile. You know, so that's what natural language is. So author, inventor, entrepreneur, and futurist Ray Kurzweil has accurately predicted the rise of major technological innovations. Now, I want to get into Kurzweil a little bit because I want to show you who he is. First off, I've got to point out that this this is such nonsensical horseshit. And what I mean by this, it's like Yuval Noah Harari, who they call the prophet of the fourth industrial revolution. Barack Obama's called him the prophet. Mark Zuckerberg has called him the prophet. Klaus Schwab has him as his right-hand man. He's basically the king philosopher. He is the brain behind the fourth industrial revolution. Well, he's no prophet. He sits up at the World Economic Forum and in other venues, and he gives speeches and talks about how um, artificial intelligence, or he would say, artificial intelligence is so dangerous. It is going to be uh, replaced the humans. And what we need to do in order to help the humans is we have to give them access to this technology. Well, they talk about it as if someone else is doing it. Yesterday, in episode one, I pointed out they act as if there's some fat hacker kid in their mom's basement programming artificial intelligence, and they can't stop it, and it's going to come. So they are going to help you figure out how to how to gain the skills to work within this new fourth industrial revolution. But they're not profits. You can't sit there and predict something you're going to build, and then when it's built... Say you were a prophet for predicting it. That's the equivalent of uh, Steve Jobs, right, when he was the head of Apple. Said, I predict next year there will be an iPhone 8. And then he has his company build iPhone 8. And two years later when it comes out, the historians write, wow, Steve Jobs was a prophet. He predicted that iPhone 8 was coming out. And the same thing here with Kurzweil, who actually... Let me see if I can even show you this. Uh, let's see. Are the robots about to rise? Google's new director of engineering thinks so. Ray Kurzweil, ba 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 ba, popularized the Terminator-like moment he called the singularity. Okay, so Kurzweil, this is in uh, February 2014, is Google's new director of engineering at the time. He was a Google director of engineering. So how? Are you going to say that he predicted the Google Glass? And anyone who was inside of the technology industry knew that Google Glass was coming anyway. So people like Kurzweil, who are these technologists, these engineers, building this technology, are not predicting it. They are just stating to you what they're building, what they're developing. Uh, let's, let's take it even from a simpler approach than Steve Jobs. Let's say I said to my neighbor, neighbor A, I said, hey, neighbor A, look at neighbor B over in his driveway. I guarantee his face is going to hurt. I predict his face is going to hurt in a minute. And then I walk across my driveway and I punch neighbor B in the face. And he goes, ah, he grabs his face. Ah, I turned to neighbor A and I said, you see? 
And Name Rand goes, whoa, you are a prophet. You accurately predicted that Neighbor B's face would be hurting. Okay. That, I mean, that's the honest truth, folks. They're walking around calling each other prophets for predicting things that they are actively doing the research, development, and deployment on. Insanity. I hate to even have to go off into these tangents, but I have to do it. I have to point out that these guys are literally crowning each other with achievements for predicting things in which they're the ones developing them. Craziness. Speaking, let's go back there. Author, inventor, entrepreneur, and futurist Ray Kurzweil has accurately predicted the rise of major technological innovations from head-mounted displays such as Google Glass to natural language interfaces such as Siri. Speaking February 20 at the, and remember this would be February 20th, 2016, two days before this article was written. Speaking February 20th at the annual MIT Tech Conference, Kurzweil offered a vision of 2030. Now remember, we're only, what, eight years off now? Kurzweil offered a visit uh, vision of 2030, one with nanorobots bolstering the immune system and also connecting to external cloud-based neocortal modules or groups of neurons to access far more knowledge than can fit in the brain. Okay, let me make this clear. <laughs> you can sit here, as many people I know do. I have lots of friends and relatives that are older than me that still sit around, they watch Fox News, they still want to believe that Donald Trump is their friend, Okay, and so when you tell them stuff about Klaus Schwab or Yuval Noah Harari or Elon Musk or now this guy, Ray Kurzweil, they discount it. They go, what a nut. What a nut case. Oh, that guy's nuts. What a nut. He's a psycho. What a nut. What a nut case. Psychopath. What a crazy person. He sounds crazy. Well, no one is arguing that. These people are crazy. They are batshit crazy, but they are powerful and they are in charge. And they are creating the regulations, the laws, the rules. They are diagramming and blueprinting our history and our future. These guys are the technocratic oligarchs. They are the architects of the fourth industrial revolution. So let's just... Look at this one more time, because it's so important. Kurzweil offered a vision of 2030, one with nanorobots bolstering the immune system. And th th that's talking about nanobots are tiny, tiny microscopic robots. Bill Gates talks about this as well. And they call this the Internet of Bodies, where they literally inject you with these nanoparticles and they can connect you up to the cloud it's called the internet of bodies there's already the internet of things that is uh, uh traffic cameras refrigerators microwaves everything your ring home camera system everything you can imagine that's hooked to the internet as of a couple years ago it was over 55 billion devices connected to the internet of things 
It's probably over a hundred billion now. And then they talk about the internet of bodies where they want all humans connected at first through wearables, such as the iWatch, the Fitbit, uh, carrying a phone on you. And then eventually they want to like inject nanoparticles into people's bodies, which is why there's a lot of people that believe that some of that stuff could have been in the jab or in some of the jabs. So one with nanorobots bolstering the immune system and also connecting to external cloud-based neocortal modules or groups of neurons to access far more knowledge that can fit in the brain. You're hearing me correctly. So what people like Elon Musk have said is that we are already technically cyborgs, we humans, because we carry around a smartphone. And if we need information, if we need to do a calculation, uh, if we need a, a math equation, if we need to know where something is located, whatever it is, we can access it through our phone. So we as humans are already interfacing with a computer at all times. And he believes that it's best to just merge the humans with the phone by putting a brain chip in your head. Elon Musk has a company called Neuralink. And he said on multiple occasions in public, including on Joe Rogan's podcast, that he is going to put a brain chip inside your head. They claim that they've already have one working inside of a chimpanzee and the chimpanzee can play video games inside of its own head. He claims that he's going to have a human uh, done with a chip by the end of this year, but, but, and we're going to do this in another show. Going back in 2008, Dennis Bushnell, uh, one of the head engineers of NASA for the last 40 years, said that they had over 100,000 humans already walking around with brain chips in their heads. So think about that, folks. We're going to be right back after this quick break. I need to have a drink of some sparkling water. And go visit my doctor to have an Elon Musk brain chip implanted in my head. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On pain.tv. All right, folks. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are back for another segment of the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv, and we are talking the technocracy. And all of their silly little games. Folks, um, what we want to get into now, and we were just touching on the neocortal modules or groups of neurons to access far more knowledge than could fit in the brain. And what what you're hearing there, and, and this is true, it's going to sound uh, strange to you, but basically what they're talking about is connecting your brain uh, through nanoparticles inside your body up to a cloud uh, the same cloud that, say, your phone or your computer, all these new softwares use the cloud, right? So your brain would have access to the cloud, and you can access far more information 
than what can fit in the brain. Essentially, what he's saying is they're going to hijack your body, and then your body is going to connect up to the cloud, to the internet. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit in here. I try not to read too much into these articles before the show because I do want to analyze them for you in real time and not just read off notes that uh, I create. But first, you know what? Let's finish this paragraph and then we'll go. uh, I'm going to show you a little background on Ray Kurzweil because you need to know this. So, uh, quote, we have pretty good ideas of how this works, end quote, said Kurzweil, who detailed this process in his 2012 book, How to Create a Mind. Quote, there's a scenario for every different type of disease, a tool for doing surgery at the microscopic level, end quote. A tool for doing surgery at the microscopic level. Listen, if these guys were just worried about helping humanity and performing surgeries, I mean, do you honestly think someone like Ray Kurzweil wakes up every day and he says, I need to make the world a better place. I would love to help people get better surgeries. Let's look at this brief career summary of Ray Kurzweil. Uh, Ray Kurzweil is one of the world's leading inventors, thinkers, and futurists with a 30-year track record of accurate predictions. And we went over that in the first segment. These are not predictions. He's actively involved with creating these technologies. Therefore, when he says they're coming, he's not predicting anything. He's just talking about what he's working on. Called the Restless Genius by the Wall Street Journal and the Ultimate Thinking Machine by Forbes Magazine, Kurzweil was selected as one of the top entrepreneurs by Inc. Magazine, which described him as the rightful heir to Thomas Edison. PBS selected him as one of the 16 revolutionaries who made America. Wow. Now, that was just a little article I wanted to give you off of his own website. And then this is an article from The Observer that I came across, just to give you a little taste of this. Uh, This article is called, Are the Robots About to Rise? Google's new director of engineering thinks so. Ray Kurzweil popularized the Terminator-like moment he called the, quote, singularity, end quote, when artificial intelligence overtakes human thinking but now the man who hopes to be immortal is involved in the very same quest on behalf of the tech behemoth and this article we are actually going to review on its own but think about what i just said this guy kurzweil popularized this idea called the singularity which is when artificial intelligence overtakes human thinking And now, in this article, talks about how he's working for Google, actually engineering such a world. And this is the same man on this MIT article who is talking about putting nanoparticles, nanorobots, into your body to connect you up to a higher power, which is their prison planet, artificial intelligence, cloud system. Here I'm just showing... uh, This article here, which there's some interesting information in this, and I think what we should do is probably do a profile piece on Kurzweil separate from this show. But let me just touch on this a little bit. This is Ray Kurzweil. If you're watching the video show, you can see what he looks like. 
quote, the profound aspect of technology is that once secrets are revealed, the magic doesn't disappear, end quote. And let me just read you a little bit here. Raymond Kurzweil was born and raised in the New York City borough of Queens. I, I just want you to have a little profile and understand what the background of these psychopathic, technocratic weirdos, like where they came from. His father, Friedrich Kurzweil, was a musician and composer. His mother was a visual artist. The couple had fled their home in Austria as Hitler's Germany and Gulf Central Europe. Settling in New York City, they raised young Ray and his sister in an atmosphere full of music, art, and ideas. Although young Ray enjoyed playing the piano, he also enjoyed carving up his neighbor's kittens. No, I'm kidding. I added that in. But I wouldn't. <laughs> Although young Ray enjoyed playing the piano, that makes him such a nice guy that humanizes him. He also knew from an early age that he wanted to be a scientist and inventor. And he pursued these interests with a single-minded enthusiasm. Now, it was interesting that his background, uh, his parents' background was from Austria. They fled Austria. Actually, my ancestors uh, did the same. I'm a quarter Austrian. Uh, but I am trying to figure out why there are so many of these people that uh, George Soros, um, you've got uh, Henry Kissinger, you know, types with their families, um, you know, either they personally or their families fled uh, Hitler's rise and then they end up getting involved with the technocracy and the fourth industrial revolution and population control and basically all of the technologies that the eugenicists like Adolf Hitler were involved with I don't know it's very strange sometimes it's I think it's the most important question of our time but I won't get into that I'm just going to show you on this uh Kurzweil.net, this uh, basically is tracking the acceleration of intelligence, and you can access the uh, Kurzweil library, books, writings, lifetime of innovation, press and appearances, and then he has a bunch of articles here on this website. Pixie is the world's first automated selfie drone, uh, breakthrough for lifelike robotics, Breakthrough for flexible electrode implants in the brain. Digest. Breakthrough artificial intelligence method generates 3D holograms in real time. This self-learning artificial intelligence software lets robots do tasks autonomously. Breakthrough augmented reality medical tool. Artificial intelligence software with social skills teaches humans how to collaborate. Digest. New material eliminates need for motors or articulators in robots, prosthetics, and more. Plant E makes electricity from living plants. And we're going to talk about how they are actually already turning humans into batteries, just like in the Matrix. That's in a coming episode. Civilization, knowledge, institutions, and in humanity's future. So, as you can see, I just read off six, seven headlines. So, this Ray Kurzweil is really into this. But the important part, and why it's important to check people's websites like Kurzweil, is because you get to have an inside look 
at the technologies being developed, the white papers that are already written on these technologies. And the reason why that is so important is because you get to look into the mind of the psychopaths, the people that are literally developing this technology. And so it allows you to see what they actually are doing. So when, look, you're not trying to wake up people at this point. You're not trying to wake up your friends, your parents, your neighbors, whatever. That, that ship has sailed. We are in a post-political world. We talked about it yesterday in episode one. We are at the point now where it's time to start to build your breakaway civilization around your close family. And I think that is what we're focused on here. The reason why it's important to know this and know what's coming is because you have to understand what the future looks like, what lies ahead, and then how you're going to best navigate that future. I'm a believer that it's inevitable. It is coming. No one is going to stop it. There is no resistance. And so we have to accept it. We also want to try to live outside of it as much as possible, but you have to know what's coming in order to know what you're trying to protect yourself from. And anyone who believes that these guys are just crazy, I mean, crazy is one thing, but crazy without power, like they're kooks, then that person is crazy because these people are the most powerful people in the world. Okay, let's get back to this article. Thinking exponentially, not linearly. The thought of nanorobots inside the body fighting disease and connecting to computers may seem far-fetched. But so did at one time the World Wide Web, the mobile phone, the 3D printer, and the fully mapped human genome, all of which Kurzweil also foresaw. Okay. So, again, he's not a prophet. He foresaw nothing. He is in this industry. He knows exactly what products and, uh, and services and such are being worked on. But remember, this is back in 2016. So the thought of nanorobots inside the body fighting disease and connecting to computers may seem far-fetched. Well, when we look back at this in hindsight, we have Elon Musk in the last couple of years talking about connecting the brain to computers. So it's not far-fetched. Elon Musk is basically the chosen person that the government, that the military-industrial complex, that DARPA, that NASA uses to normalize technologies, bring them into the mainstream, and as I mentioned yesterday in episode one, basically roll out the adoption campaign. And the adoption campaign, again, I have to repeat this, is let's say the government wants to monitor everyone's heart rate for a certain reason. doesn't matter what it is. They can't roll it out and say they're going to do it. So they use people like Steve Jobs like Elon Musk, uh, like Bill Gates when he was in uh, Microsoft, Steve Jobs when he was alive, and they go, hey, look, it's the iWatch. Put it on. It's cool. You can look at your text messages, and you could jog, and it'll tell you how you're doing at the gym. And so that's how they get people to adopt these technologies by using these puppets in the mainstream, these marketing men, these PT Barnums, to roll these products out through a consumer-based product, and therefore you accept it, you adopt it, and before you know it, the government is now reading your heart rate or whatever else they want to do. Now, when he mentions nanobots inside the body fighting disease... That is very important because a lot of people 
who speculated that possibly the jabs and or the boosters and or the test that you put into your head has nanobots and that's how they're getting them inside of your body. They sent out Bill Gates as basically the straw man uh, as and everyone else to say, that's conspiracy theory. There's no such thing as nanobots. Nanobots are real. You're a conspiracy theorist. Well, back in 2016, and I can show you way before that, but back in 2016, Ray Kurzweil, one of the giant engineers of our time, what they call him, 16 founding fathers of like the disruption of America. They called him the Thomas Edison of our time was sitting there talking about putting nanorobots inside your body. And of course, like yesterday in episode one, I mentioned, they always have to tie it back to you in the body fighting disease because we're damn dirty humans and have lots of disease. And these guys are our saviors. They're our gods. They just want to put robots inside you to help you fight disease. You didn't know that? Why? Because they love you, man. They love you. Yeah, man, we love you. They love you, man. Yeah, man. Ray Kurzweil and Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci and Mark Zuckerberg and Peter Thiel and Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. They love me, man. They love me. They just want to put robots in my blood to cure me, man. Freaking craziness. But with what it says in the article, you know, it sounds seems far-fetched. But so did World Wide Web, the mobile phone, the 3D printer, and the fully mapped human genome. And that's true. All that came true. And I'm telling you, robots in the bloodstream inside the body connecting you up to an AI hive mind, yeah. That's, I believe, I be- personally, I believe there's a large portion of people that already have them running through their body. All right. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to blast through the rest of this article, and we're going to look into Eric Schmidt, who was the head of Google at some of the time that Kurzweil worked there, and you're going to see some dots connect together. Folks, right here, we are giving you the truth, only the truth. We will never lie to you. We will never bullshit you. This is the gold standard. I am Dustin Gold, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back from a much-needed, a much-needed bathroom break. All right, so we are reading this MIT Massachusetts Institute of Technology article from February 2016, and I want to jump right back into this. Human intuition about the future has always been linear, said Kurzweil, a 1970 MIT graduate and current director of engineering at Google, leading efforts to build artificial intelligence and natural language understanding. Now, natural language understanding, I explained that earlier. Artificial intelligence, we're going to do a show just exactly on what it is, so I don't want to start breaking down artificial intelligence Uh, right now here but as you see he's a 1970 mit graduate 
and current director of engineering. So MIT published this, this piece, and and I need to um, I want to show you this uh, just to show you MIT Massachusetts Institute of Technology, right? And then we have artificial intelligence, we have Google, we have Ray Kurzweil, and what I want to show you, because it's very important, because the government itself is involved with developing this artificial intelligence. Uh, and I want to just show you these. These are just simple little connections. We're not going to go into depth on this. But this is an article from June 1964. MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Hints Unit had link to CIA. Indicates study center was once financed by the agency. And this article goes on to discuss how the Center, uh, Center for International Studies at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology was originally financed by the Central Intelligence Agency, the Institute indicated today, and this was on uh, June 29th, 1964. I'm showing you this because this is an article by MIT. Kurzweil went to MIT. You'll see there's some other people that went to MIT as well. Uh, this is an article here. CIA recruitment comes under fire. Students protest MIT interviewing. A group of MIT students demonstrated Wednesday to protest the presence of recruiters from the Central Intelligence Agency, which conducted employment interviews on campus that day. Oh, it's 1987. The protest had two major goals, according to Adam Grossman, uh, graduating 87, one of the protesters. One is to show the MIT community, especially the administration, that a large portion of the community is opposed to the idea of allowing this group of criminals to recruit on campus. I love that. He explained the second is to educate the people about the CIA. Uh, here's another article. Uh, this is from the Orlando Sentinel on February 27, 2000. MIT professors unhappy as ex-CIA chief returns. Cambridge, Massachusetts. Some professors at MIT have criticized former CIA director John Deutsch's return to the school in light of accusations he mishandled classified information after leaving the CIA in 1996. The Boston Globe reported Saturday, uh, Deutsch, who served as MIT provost from 85 to 1990, now works at the university as one of about a dozen institute professors. The lucrative positions are awarded to top professors who are allowed to essentially do as they please. Here's another one in MIT Technology Review. It was about the CIA's new tech recruiting pitch, more patents, more profits. The newest federal lab uh, gives the CIA and its officers the unprecedented ability to make money off inventions that come from within the agency. This was written in September 2020. It says America's most famous spy agency has a major competitor it can't quite uh, seem to beat, Silicon Valley. Now, I'm going to read this to you because this is important. But this is all the connections between the CIA and MIT. I'm just doing this to show you that Ray Kurzweil at MIT, uh, the head of Google at the time, Schmidt, MIT, you'll see that in a second, they're all connected it's, it's one circle. This is the public-private partnership, right? The CIA has long been a place cutting-edge technology as research developed and realized. And they use movies like James Bond and Mission Impossible to, to make it cool and to uh, normalize it. And it wants to lead in fields like artificial intelligence and biotechnology. 
So this article is saying in, in 2020 that the CIA wanted to lead in artificial intelligence and biotechnology. However, recruiting and retaining the talent capable of building these tools is a challenge on many levels, especially since a spy agency can't match Silicon Valley's salaries, reputations, and patents. The agency solution is CIA Labs, a new skunk works that will attempt to recruit and retain technical talent by offering incentives to those who work there. Under the new initiative announced today, CIA officers will be able for the first time to publicly file patents on the intellectual property they work on and collect a portion of the profits. I'm going to do a whole show on this. The agency will take the rest of the balance. Dawn uh, Myrix, who heads the agency science and technology directorate, says the best case scenario is that the agency's research and development could end up paying for itself. Okay. I'm not going to go. Oh, I wanted to give you this. This is a paragraph. It's not the first time the agency has worked to commercialize technology it helped develop. The agency already sponsors its own venture capital firm in QTEL, which has backed companies including Keyhole, the core technology that now makes up Google Earth. Myrick says the CIA maintains relationships with a variety of other venture capitalists with the same goal. And this is why I'm going to unfold this whole article. But I've talked about InQtel on Mike's show on the Thomas Paine podcast. And he even said that a company that he started, a telecom company, a voice over the internet company that he started, InQtel, and their gang came to him and tried to basically strong arm him to take over his company. And I've tried to point InQtel out to many people. The CIA has a hedge fund and they actively fund and or gobble up technology companies in and around Silicon Valley so that they can control all of the technology. Tell me how our government is supposed to be allowed to do this. I don't, I mean, doesn't make any sense to me, really. Now, I wanted to, I'm going to jump off topic for a second, then we're going to get back to this article uh, from MIT. Okay, so what we have here is on Eric Schmidt's website. Now, Eric Schmidt was the uh, CEO. Let's, let me just read it to you. It'll be easier. Eric Schmidt is an accomplished technologist, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. Again, this is written by his PR people. So he served as Google's chief executive officer and chairman from 2001 to 2011, where he pioneered Google's transformation from a Silicon Valley startup to a global leader in technology. Eric oversaw the company's technical and business strategies alongside founders, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so Eric Schmidt was uh, at Google, and then additionally from 2018 to 2020, he served as the technical advisor to Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, the, the holding company of Google, advising its leaders on technology, business, and policy issues. He was also the executive chairman of Alphabet from 2015 to 2018 and renamed as the chairman of Google in 2015. So you see the Ray Kurzweil and Eric Schmidt overlap. And the reason why uh, I'm pointing this out, this is by CNN. Okay, this is a timeline of Eric Schmidt's life. So in March uh, 2nd, 2016, Secretary of Defense Ashton Carter 
this was under Barack Obama, announces that Schmidt is being appointed head of a new defense innovation advisory board in an effort by the Pentagon to better address and enhance technology within the Department of Defense. Well, when you go back to the Ray Kurzweil article uh, and the uh, other MIT article, where I showed you that it was talking about how the CIA wanted to be the leader in an artificial intelligence. Well, they bring in uh, Eric Schmidt, who was the head of Google, to come in and lead this advisory board uh, to address technology within the Department of Defense, right? Uh, then at the same time, you have February 2018. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology announces that Schmidt will join MIT as a visiting innovation fellow for one year. So now he's working for the government, he's working for the Department of Defense, and now he goes back to MIT as a visiting innovation fellow. And in January 2019, Schmidt is selected as chair of the 15-member National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence. That was under Donald Trump. He was put in charge of the Commission on Artificial Intelligence. And let me show you what he said. We have seen artificial intelligence, and I'm on the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence website for those people that are listening on audio only. We have seen artificial intelligence providing conversation and comfort to the lonely. We have also seen artificial intelligence engaging in racial discrimination. Yet the biggest harm that artificial intelligence is likely to do to individuals in the short term is job displacement. All the same thing that Klaus Schwab says. As the amount of work we can automate with artificial intelligence is vastly larger than before. As leaders, it is incumbent on all of us to make sure we are building a world in which every individual has an opportunity to thrive. You see, again... He says, as leaders, it is incumbent on all of us. Well, he works for this government agency they made up, the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence. But the main quote on that website is he's talking to leaders, which Klaus Schwab calls the stakeholders, the people who are going to make all the money and have all the power. As stakeholder scumbags, it is incumbent, incumbent upon on all of us to make sure we are building a world in which every individual has an opportunity to thrive. And yesterday, I, I told you the story about uh, the guy digging his own grave. They are constantly, constantly trying to make it sound like they're going to give you something good. They're going to give you all of this technology. Now, uh, let me point this out to you. Like it, It's going gonna, it's gonna to displace people. There's going to be no jobs. It's going to be horrible. It's going to fire its own weapons. It's going to kill everyone. But you know what? We still need it, obviously, and these people are just going to have to deal with it. We'll just, we'll just make sure they're going to be okay. Now, the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence ceased operations on October 1st, 2021. And then it says the website is no longer maintained, and it's fine. But a lot of the information is still there. There's diagrams, all their reports, and everything else. So what it leads me to believe is maybe they finally said, hey, we got the artificial intelligence done. We don't need this uh, program any longer. Now I'm going to jump back over to the to the diagram, uh, the outline from CNN, and I just want to say we had mentioned in January 2019, Schmidt was selected to the uh, 15 member National Security Commission, but on March 25th, 2021, with his wife Wendy, 
Schmidt, who's worth $26 billion, they say, gives $150 million to the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard to launch the Eric and Wendy Schmidt Center. The center will focus on, quote, the intersection of data science and life science aimed at improving human health, end quote. We're going to do a deep dive into that because it's not as it seems. They are not doing that to cure you of cancer. And then lastly, let me just point out this article from January 12, 2017. Alphabet Executive Chairman Eric Schmidt and a pair of San Francisco tech investors visited Trump Tower in New York. In Schmidt's case, the trip appeared to be a follow-up to a big meeting held four weeks ago between Donald Trump and Silicon Valley leaders. The point that I am making here is that that was during Donald Trump's transition when he was having people come and visit Trump Tower. He had Eric Schmidt come. He had Bill Gates come. He had many others come. But Donald Trump was meeting with Eric Schmidt early on. Then Eric Schmidt became the head of the Artificial Intelligence um, Committee. And we have Donald Trump on tape in March of, uh, that was before March, March of 2020, I believe, at the World Economic Forum, 50-year anniversary, talking about how he supported artificial intelligence. So, as you can see, all of these people are involved with this. Now, let's just jump back to this Ray Kurzweil article after we take a short, short break uh, for a quick commercial, and then we will be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, folks, we are back. I am Dustin Gold. With the gold glasses on. All right, folks, we're reviewing this MIT article from February 2016. And I jumped you all over the place. We went into MIT and its CIA connection and then Eric Schmidt and his connection back to MIT, his connection inside the government, and how all this is just one giant uh, pot of, of shit stew with all of these psychopathic weirdos just all churned together. But I want to, uh, let's see here. Let's pull up this article for the audio listeners. And we'll just jump back one paragraph. I won't analyze. I just want to catch you back up to where we were. The thought of nano robots inside the body fighting disease and connecting to computers may seem far-fetched, but so did at one time the World Wide Web, the mobile phone, the 3D printer, and the fully mapped human genome, all of which Kurzweil also foresaw. Yeah, what a genius. Human intuition about the future has always been linear, said Kurzweil, a 1970 MIT graduate and current director of engineering at Google, leading efforts to build artificial intelligence and natural language understanding. Okay, now here's where we get into the new stuff. This dates back to the days of hunting game on the savannah, when humans could literally only see what was in front of them. However, 
technological innovation has grown exponentially since 1980, when U.S. census data has tabulated uh, was tabulated by machine for the first time. That's pretty boring, to be honest with you. As an example, Kurzweil pointed to the Human Genome Project. It began in 1990. Seven years later, it was only 1% complete. Critics, thinking in a linear way, said the project would take 700 years. Kurzweil, thinking exponentially, said it was half-finished. Okay, I don't know if any of you guys know about exponential growth uh, and how that works, uh, but you can look that up. The project was declared complete in April 2003. So, um, as you can see there, right? So, they only had 1% done after seven years. Kurzweil said it's half done. Colleagues that think literally said it would take 700 years. And then it was done in April 2003. When the project began, mapping an individual genome cost nearly $1 billion. Today, it can be done for under $1,000. Now, why this is important is because Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, and uh, Yuval Noah Harari, his right-hand, right-hand, I don't want to say those words, his right-hand king philosopher, I have to be careful. We're trying to keep the show sort of clean for some people. But uh, as King Philosopher would say that once technology reaches exponential growth, humans will have to retrain themselves almost on a daily basis for a new career. Now, we know that's impossible, especially when there's government regulations on almost every single career in the United States. Just to mow a lawn, you've got to have licenses and all kinds of uh, trade association memberships and business licenses. It's insanity. So we know that you're not going to be able to retrain yourself and get into a profession every day. But that's what Yuval and Klaus brag about. And that's what he's talking about here, which is the exponential growth of technology. So once artificial intelligence could basically do everything that humans do, there's no need for humans anymore. Nanorobots soon. Again, this is from 2016. The emergence of nanorobots in the next 15 or so years will come about due to two related factors, Kurzweil said. Okay, in the next 15 years. So he's talking before, remember he was saying in the beginning his projections for 2030. First, though the fifth paradigm of computing, the integrated circuit, is due to end by 2020. The sixth paradigm, 3D molecular computing, is already under development. Second, the rapid growth of computing power has brought with it extreme amounts of data, both of which drive artificial intelligence systems. The brain's electrochemical signals are much slower than today's electronic systems. The brain makes up the difference with its 3D circuitry, Kurzweil said. Okay, do you hear that? So what he's saying is that the 3D molecular computing is already under development. Second, the rapid growth of computing power has brought with it extreme amounts of data, both of which drive artificial intelligence systems. See, the data drives the artificial intelligence. When the machines are learning, called machine learning, they're pulling from big data, which is this data stored on hard drives. 
And that is what actually trains the artificial intelligence. And then they program all of these different algorithms or formulas to do certain tasks or for it to think a certain way or for it to process data in, uh, uh, for, a certain, for a certain function. The brain's electrochemical signals are much slower than today's electronic systems. The brain makes up the difference with its 3D circuitry. Okay. As that gap closes, Kurzweil foresees the rise of uh, artificial intelligence-powered nanorobots fighting disease in the bloodstream. Again, they are not going to be fighting disease in us. They are not building this so that you and I can live longer. Fighting These guys talk about overpopulation. Do you think they have any interest in putting a robot inside you to keep your body healthy so you can live longer when they're sitting around talking about how we damn dirty humans are overpopulating the earth and that we use too much gasoline, we use too many plastics. By the way, all the products that they create and gave to us, we didn't create them. I don't put water inside of a plastic bottle and put it on the store shelf. They do. But do you really think they're going to create a mini robot and put it in your bloodstream to keep you alive because they love you? Are you kidding? If you believe that these people love you, then you are a narcissist. If you wake up every morning and you believe that Dr. Fauci and Donald Trump and Joe Biden and all these different people love you and they wake up every morning to serve you and Bill Gates and... Peter Thiel and Elon Musk and all these crazy psychopaths wake up every morning to develop technologies and, and they use all their money. Warren Buffett donates all of his money and they donate all their money to like develop robots to like put into my bloodstream so that so they could save me because they love me. If you really believe that these people wake up every day to think about how to help you and make you live longer, you are a narcissist. You're crazy. These people do not serve you. Disease in the bloodstream and connecting to an external neocortex that he said can more than triple the number of neocortal modules to which an individual brain has access. Let me repeat that. As the gap closes, Kurzweil foresees the rise of artificial intelligence-powered nanorobots fighting disease in the bloodstream and connecting to an external neocortex that he said can more than triple the number of neocortal modules to which an individual brain has access. It will have an even more dramatic effect on human evolution than the elongation of our foreheads and the expansion of our neocortex about 2 million years ago, Kurzweil said. He is talking about hooking you up to an AI hive mind. He already admits in the article that they've been collecting all this data to power the AI hive mind. I have said on multiple podcasts over the years exactly this, that the data they've been collecting on us, and I'm talking about every bit of data, every text you send, every phone call you have, every Facebook message, every Facebook post, every Facebook DM, every Twitter private chat, everything you search, everything you say, you're laughing, you're talking in real life. That's all being collected through your smartphone. It's all being collected through the Amazon rings and the Google home alarm systems that are on probably 80% of houses right now. 
everything is watched, everything's scanned, everything's collected. And that's not because they want to track you. They don't give a shit about you. They don't care where you are or if you're eating a donut, really. It's data. The more data they collect on our feelings, our thoughts, how we process information, how we react to things, goes into the data. And they are building a giant AI hive mind, an artificial intelligence mainframe, a hive mind. I have articles on this. That's what they're building. And now Kurzweil in 2016 is talking about putting nanorobots inside your body to connect you to the AI hive mind, meaning you will no longer think for yourself. You will get all of your information, you'll get all of your directions and your tasks from the hive mind. This is a zombie apocalypse movie. That's what these guys are living in. Do you see this? Do you seriously see this? Because this is what we're facing. True, crazy, psychopathic nutcases. And right now, before my head explodes, I'm going to call Elon Musk and order that brain chip And when I get back, we're going to finish up this article and move on with our day. I'm Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, folks, we are back on the break. And what we were just talking about, uh, Kurzweil was saying that he is going to put artificial intelligence-powered nanorobots to fight disease in your bloodstream and connect you to an external neocortex. Kurzweil continues, quote, we're going to do it again. And he's referring to the uh, dramatic effect on human evolution that the elongation of our foreheads and the expansion of our neocortex had about 2 million years ago. He says, we're going to do it again once we can expand our neocortex into the cloud. It won't be limited by an enclosure, the skull, Kurzweil said. How can you not listen to the words or read the words if you're on the video podcast on pain.tv of someone like Ray Kurzweil affiliated with MIT, affiliated with our own government, with Defense Department, government contracts, just a revolving door of the quote-unquote public-private sector. Affiliated with Eric Schmidt, who was the head of artificial intelligence research for the United States government, also head of Google. Another interesting fact was that Eric Schmidt was, let me just see if I can find this, because it actually is somewhat important. Let's pull it up here. Okay, so Eric Schmidt was the... Chief Executive Officer and Chairman of Google from 2001 to 2011. But at the same time, from 2006 to 2009, he served on the Board of Directors of Apple. 
Tell me how there was no conflict of interest there. When you think of Google and Apple as competitors, especially with especially with the iPhone and the Android phone, they are competitors. I never researched that. I just happened to see it when I was doing a background on Schmidt for this piece. And I said, how could you serve as the CEO uh, or the executive, yeah, the CEO and chairman of uh, Google while at the same time you're on the board of directors of Apple? You know, it goes to show you that it's all connected. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Let's finish this article and uh, I'll close it out with my thoughts. While some critics suggest that the rise of artificial intelligence will lead to a dystopian world, I'd be one of those critics. <laughs> I hope you are. Kurzweil said, The ongoing development of ethical rules for bioengineering will ensure that the perils of artificial intelligence depicted in science fiction can remain in check. Remember yesterday in episode one, we talked about the tenets of the fourth industrial revolution and the four questions that General Electric was asking. One of them had to do with governing, uh, artificial intelligence governing the fourth industrial revolution. And they said they're building the technology and then they're going to be the ones to government in order, govern it in order to protect us, which we laughed about. Because you're going to build something, then say it's dangerous, and that you have to govern it. So you're going to govern the very thing that you created that's dangerous. If it's dangerous, why aren't you locked in a mental institution and or a prison, and I can govern it? Until we take it to its logical end, which is to close it down and get rid of it. Kurzweil said the ongoing development of ethical rules for bioengineering will ensure that the perils of artificial intelligence depicted in science fiction can remain in check. Now, and, and he ends, let me just end it and then I'll, I'm going to point this out. Just, it's so crazy, right? Quote, I come out optimistic that we can pull through, Kurzweil said. Well, listen here. Kurzweil said the ongoing development of ethical rules for bioengineering will ensure that the perils of artificial intelligence depicted in science fiction can remain in check. Well, would we go back to the beginning and Kurzweil is talking about how they're going to put nanorobots inside your body to fight disease and to connect you to an AI hive mind neocortex is that not the very science fiction dystopia that he's referring to? I mean, how much more science fiction, how much more dystopian can you get than the government, than these technocrats, these Silicon Valley government frontmen? These scientists and doctors who want to rule over us, that is the actual definition of the technocracy, a government ruled by the scientists who deem themselves the purveyors of everything. When they want to inject nanorobots into your bloodstream and connect your brain to an artificial intelligence cloud and control you through an artificial intelligence-driven neocortex, is that not the very definition of science fiction? No, it's the definition today of reality. You see, this is all reality now. 
That's the point that I'm trying to make to you. It's not science fiction. These are not threats from our overlords. They are literally talking about what they're building. And this was in 2016 when Kurzweil predicted what was coming by 2030. Between 2016 and 2030, we just had about 70, maybe 80% of the world's population injected with needles that certain podcast hosts who even pretend to be the truthsayers just like to put you into an Overton window and talk about how, well, they were experimental. Oh, somebody's going to have to pay a price. Oh, they shouldn't have mandated it. Oh, some people might be getting cancer. Some people might be dying. But in reality, what did they actually inject you with? Because everything I read, and I read the words of the people that I consider to be my enemy, the words that I read, the things that they write, the speeches that they give, they seem to have been heavily focused on genetic modification, on putting nanorobots, nanoparticles, graphene oxide into our bloodstreams, and to control us through an artificial intelligence hive mind. And their ultimate goal, at least in this chapter, because everything goes further than we can predict right now, but their ultimate goal is that they want to put you in a 400-square-foot cube freight container called a pod, sit you in a chair, strap a VR, virtual reality, or AR, augmented reality headset on your head, and plug you into the metaverse, well, you, you will literally go into a 3D immersive world and you will live inside there for multiple reasons. One, that's where you'll go to quote-unquote work. Two, your life is going to be so miserable on the outside of this metaverse, living in this cube, that you're going to want to go into the metaverse. So in the real world... You'll only be able to afford this little pod. You won't leave the pod. Okay? You won't have a car. This is why they're prepping us with the high gas prices and everything else. Now, you will live in the pod. You'll be told there's disease everywhere outside the pod. And they will deliver your groceries and everything to the pod door through all of these gig service companies, which are going to be replaced by autonomous vehicles and drones soon. And your Klaus Schwab even talks about this in his books. You're going to have basically a 3D printer where you're going to print everything as you need it. Like if you need a cup, you print it. Then you melt the cup back down and you can reprint it as a fork. You're going to be printing your food, they say. So you say, well, if humans' existence is going to be so horrible, then why would they even let us live? Uh-huh. Aha, uh -huh. we're going to get into that soon, because for any of you who haven't seen The Matrix, the first Matrix, you need to watch it. You need to watch it because, frankly, it is the closest thing, as far as a Hollywood creation goes, to what this world that these psychopaths have in store for us. They literally have technology that they're working on now to turn our bodies into batteries. Bill Gates has a patent on a technology that as you're active and you're doing things with your mind, you're unlocking cryptocurrencies that it sends you. So basically, it gets you to do things in exchange for food coupons. Or in, I don't know, in that case, you're not going to buy food inside the metaverse, so I don't know what you're going to buy. But 
there's another company that has a, a, a band that goes on and it sucks the energy out of your body and then they market it that it's going to power your phone and everything else, your Bluetooth headset. In The Matrix, Morpheus explains to Neo as he's giving Neo the red pill that The Matrix is a control system designed to turn humans into batteries. Well, look where Neo wakes up. He's basically inside of a pod. Well, this is what the world, I mean, when I'm talking about this, I'm not telling you what I think is going to happen. There are guys involved with World Economic Forum and these technologists that actually talk about this. I mean, they actually talk about this. And this is the world that they have planned. And again, it's why we have to figure out how we are going to live one foot in and one foot out of it. Am I ever going to get jabbed up and get nanobots in my body and connect myself up to some AI high mind? No, because once you do that, there is no coming back out. You're basically both feet in. One foot on, one foot in, one foot out means that you may have to get into the internet on the phone, go jump on a gig app or whatever to make some cash so that you can have money to buy things that you're going to need to bring back to your home, to your homestead that you can't grow or produce or manufacture. I don't think you're going to be able to go to John Deere if you need a tractor and bring them a sack of red potatoes. I just don't think that's going to happen. But that's why we need to understand this technology that they have, this technology they've been developing, this technology that they brag about, because it allows us to see what's going to happen in the future. Unlike this fake Bullshit, Ray Kurzweil and Yuval Noah Harari, these fake prophets, these fake king philosophers who are only telling you what they're going to do and then claiming they are the prophets that predicted it when they are actually the ones engineering, architecting, and building it. We actually need to be futurists. We need to be able to predict the future. We have to read their plans, listen to their words, and try to figure out what they're doing so that we can get a step ahead of them or at least keep up in pace so that we know if we go build our homestead or we want to have a backup vehicle, these kind of things, that they are going to be useful and they're going to be able to help us get around and navigate the system that's coming, you see. That's why we need to know about this. We're not talking about this stuff because it's end of the world. I'm talking about it because I want you to know who the players are, how long they've been talking about this, what technologies they're already talking about, what they were talking about back in 2016 that may very well be in practice today so that when we make the next step and, and you've got limited cash and you're going to invest to buy land or you're going to buy a vehicle or you're going to invest in vegetables or seeds or whatever, you can make the right choices, get the right things. And hopefully, we're not going to be able to navigate all of it, but we should be able to navigate a lot of it, at least for uh, the foreseeable future. You know, some people are very black-billed, and they get to the point where they end up hitting a depression because they see that we can't undo this through politics. That's me. I'm, I'm post-political. There's no Donald Trump or uh, Greg Abbott or Ron DeSantis that's going to save me. I don't trust any of these people. I have no need for them. Even if they were good people, they don't have any power. If they did have power and they were really going to do the right thing, the powers that be would just get rid of them. They'd whack them or they'd arrest them with blackmail. They'd make something up. 
use a deep fake video, whatever. So I don't count on that. And I don't think you should waste your energy on that either. So I live in this post-political world, but I'm not black-pilled because I do believe there's a solution. I'm trying to fully understand what's going on so that I can develop better solutions. The other thing is, can you jump in this metaverse? You might not trust the stock market, but can you skim some profits off the top? Can you do this to get money for yourself so you can buy the tools and the equipment you're going to need to use on your homestead in the real world? And that's a lot of what we're going to explore. So you got to stop being black-pilled, but you also got to stop looking. There's a lot of blue-pilled people that just, I see people reverting back like, well, they got rid of the masks and uh, maybe everything will be okay. You can't be that either because, as you can see, these technologies are way beyond some stupid mask, okay? This was, this was not, COVID land was not about winning an election. These technocrats, these oligarchs, are bigger and better than mass and stupid COVID land. They are super powerful. So you need to focus on starting to prepare. And you have to look at this stuff. You've got to understand this Frankenstein technology that these guys are building. You know, and you can't get, you just can't retreat and get lazy about it. Say, well, maybe it's not going to be so bad. You can't look at the world through rose-colored glasses. You need to look at the world through gold-colored glasses. And so with that, I wish you all a wonderful day. And I think today, try to go out there and do something positive. Go buy uh, an herb and plant it in your garden. Go uh, buy a vegetable plant. And uh, bring it inside. Watch a video on how to, you know, grow vegetables over the fall and the winter inside. I'm working on that right now. Do some positive things. As I know, Maria Albanese has been working on a lot of gardening and canning. And Mike uh, at the Thomas Paine Podcast, he's working on some things as well. That's what you need to do in your free time. Don't get bogged down with this political shit. Don't worry about Trump or Biden. None of that has an effect on your life whatsoever don't waste time with things that you do not have control over because you will just drive yourself crazy right now focus on the things you can't control like me who's about to go to the bathroom and call up elon musk because he never called me back about getting a brain chip ladies and gentlemen i'm dustin gold and this is the dust and gold standard. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the dust and gold standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.